Well, we've gathered here uh, to make another attempt to find uh, the solution to the meaning of life in the desert. This is our third teaching from the Old Testament wisdom book of Ecclesiastes, and we're tackling that deep question of how to find meaning in life under the sun. The book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon's uh, masterpiece of Hebrew poetry. That it, 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 The way that he's constructed or written it, he sets it up by describing a searcher of wisdom uh, who is called Kohelet. And uh, he writes it as if this guy named Kohelet, this preacher or teacher or searcher, is... Uh, turning over every rock in the world to find the secret of happiness. He's looking all around him at everything, examining it, it all. And he's, he sits by his beehives, as it were, for hours at a time asking, is that where wisdom can be found? Where is wisdom hidden? And it must be uh, located somewhere in the universe, but it seems to be eclipsed or it seems to be concealed by things. And finally, finally one day, it comes to him. It's kind of like in my mind, I'm imagining a Columbo puffing on his cigar. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> it dawned on him. <laughs> And it came to him while he was in his wood yard one day. He was sweating up a storm, working so hard, seemingly not getting anywhere. Uh, stacking the firewood seemed all so humdrum. There was this redundant cycle that seemed so meaningless, just cutting the wood, then stacking the wood, then carrying the wood, only to burn the wood. And as he sat down, that day on his chopping block to take a break, to quench his thirst and to wipe his brow, the, meaningling, the meaning of life suddenly came to him. He suddenly realized why cutting up firewood was harder than it actually needed to be. And though no one was around, he said it out loud. It's all about keeping the ax sharp. And he said it again. That's it. That's it. The birds heard him yell, and they suddenly sat motionless on their perch on the limbs, pondering the meaning of what they had just heard. The squirrels heard it too, and they waved their little tails high as if to herald the utterance of a, utterance of a great pronouncement. The honeybees stopped buzzing, and that had never happened before. A holy hush just settled over the woods. And as he's cutting up his firewood, Kohelet finally found the meaning of life. He cracked the code. He discovered the secret sauce. He found wisdom in his woodyard. It's all about keeping the ax sharp. He said it over and over again. The birds and the bees waited and waited and waited for an explanation. Tell us more. Finally, one squirrel couldn't hold back any longer and blurted it out. Please tell us what you mean. And then Kohelet said, well, I need to write this down. This is good. This is really good. 
And the birds and the bees just finally got impatient and they said, well, just give us the talk. <laughs> so Kohelet said, this will be verse 10 of chapter 10 in my book of wisdom that I'm calling Ecclesiastes. And here's, here's what I realized. If the ax is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. The squirrel thought about it for a moment and said, I don't get it when you speak in the New King James. Can you please restate it in another translation? And so Kohelet said, this is the word of the Lord from the New Living Translation. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. The squirrel acted like it understood now the deep meaning behind Kohelet's wisdom from the woodyard, but it really didn't yet get it. So the birds and the bees huddled to discuss it, and they decided that they wanted to hear more. So they said to Kohelet, let's have church. And Kohelet agreed. And so he put down his thermos and the preacher gathered his thoughts and he started like this. Learn the lesson from the dull axe. Gain wisdom from the woodyard. The first lesson is this. Make time for God and it will bring you great happiness. He said, this wisdom I found in the woodyard is a wisdom that helps us succeed. And success is happiness. God wants our life to be successful. If we sharpen the axe, it will bring great success. He wants us to love life to find happiness, and to see good days. But our life will be hard if we don't take time for God. The secret to a happy life, Kohelet says, is taking time to stop and sharpen the axe, or taking time in life for what's most important. And what is most important, he said, is reverence for God. And the amount of reverence that you have in your heart for God will become the measure of your success or happiness in life. Life will be a lot harder, he is saying, if you don't stop to sharpen the edge. Devotional life, devotion for God, is not a waste of time. Don't you hate it to stop and sharpen your chainsaw blade? It just seems like such a waste of time. But nothing makes greater success than stopping to sharpen the edge. And actually, you will waste your life if you don't have time to sharpen your relationship with the Lord. We suffer in the, in the end. We suffer at the end of the day if we don't prepare for it in the beginning. I once heard a Bible teacher, maybe you've heard of him, he's an old guy, 
Dr. J. Vernon McGee. He used to have a Bible bus that he'd invite us to get on to study the Word of God. And he told a story one time about a young man who said that God was calling him to be a pastor. He was so passionate about this call of God on his heart to become a minister that he told Dr. McGee, he said, I want to take the short route to get there. I just am anxious to get started. And so Dr. McGee said, young man, don't do that. Sharpen the edge. Sharpen your hoe. Don't go into the ministry untrained. Take time for sharpening. You know, there are no shortcuts to God. There is no speed lane to the matters of eternity that matter the most. There's nothing wise about skipping preparation. There's nothing wise about being too lazy to prepare, to procrastinate. Why would we be so presumptuous to think that we can step into God's future without preparation? The message of the Bible is always this. Wait on the Lord, become strong in the Lord before marching forward into battle. Worship time is preparation time. It's not a waste of time. And Jesus was clear about that when he he told his disciples, he said that before you go out into the ministry to launch my church into the world, he said, tarry or wait until you are endued with power from on high. How hard life becomes when we settle for dull axes. Oh, the drudgery of life when our devotion becomes dull. But on the other hand, what amazing energy we have if our devotion is kept sharp. Kohelet said, and I'm imagining this is, this is the scenario behind the book of Ecclesiastes. It's like he's saying, I'm an old man now. I'm in my senior years. I wish I'd had known some of these things before I ever turned 18. But if there's one thing I'd like to tell my grandkids, this is it. This is it. And I'll write it down. And so in chapter 12, verse 1, here's what Kohelet wrote, as if he's writing it to his grandchildren. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I've just found no pleasure in them. In that verse, there's both an exhortation to his grandkids and a warning. The exhortation is that the way that you start out your life will affect everything else. There's a choice to make at the beginning that is so determinative for everything else that will follow. So he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. And there's also a warning embedded in this verse. There's this danger of procrastination, that if you procrastinate or put off God In your life, you will not be prepared for what's coming next down the road for the troubles of life. And you'll find that life has brought no pleasure because you've left God out of your life. 
One of Satan's strategies is to get us so busy doing unimportant things that we don't take time for what is most important. It's like it's said that if, if Satan can't get you to be bad, he'll just get you to be busy, right? If you want to find pleasure in life, then you have to start. Start out your life with what is most important. You have to sharpen something. You have to take time to stop and sharpen your reverence for God. And this is the first thing of first importance. We need to put the first thing first. So what he's saying is that you have to let God into your life. Let God in your life when you're young and you'll never regret it. Let God in your life and you'll be prepared for the troubles that will show up in your life. Let God in your life and you will find pleasure in life. There's something else that Grandpa Kohelet wants you to know. And that is that God has filled you with a longing for eternity and you'll never be satisfied with anything less. You were created with a frequency to be tuned into eternity. And he has given us a desire for eternal life, not just mortal life or the things of life under the sun. You'll never be happy without his eternal life. And that's what he means in Ecclesiastes 3.11 where he said, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. What he's meaning is that in every human soul, there's a God-given awareness that there's something more than we can find in this transient material world. We were made to live forever not just to live for today. We're wired for eternity, and we have this internal longing for the God of eternity. There's a beauty to be seen in everything, Kohelet said. Everything has beauty, for God created it and said it's good. But you won't see the splendor of the beauty of it all unless you tune into the God who created it. Life will seem like meaningless static unless we're tuned in to the frequency of heaven. This is what Jesus meant when he told the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well of Sychar, that he could give her a drink. Think of water from the well as an element from our material world that is indispensable to living. But he said, I can give you a drink that will cause you to never be thirsty again. It's one of the most outlandish statements Jesus ever made. And he said it again different times throughout his ministry that I can give you something to eat, you'll never be hungry. I can give you something to, th to drink and you'll never be thirsty. Never hungry and never thirsty you see, there's a restlessness in us. There's an emptiness in us that cannot be satisfied or cannot be filled unless we take time for God, to let God into our life. 
And life will be hard unless we take time to sharpen that axe or that relationship. God has given you a desire for eternal life and you'll never truly be happy without it. I grew up in a church where on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, we were encouraged to stand up and give our testimonies to our relationship with God. Sometimes jokingly, they called them popcorn testimonies, where you just stand up and give a quick word of praise to the Lord. Someone said, no, that's when I stand up and I turn white. (laughs) I get scared, right? Well, I grew up in that culture And I can remember my father's testimony. My father was not a man of many words. He found it difficult to to even express himself sometimes. And he was just a quiet soul of a man, a great man. I love my dad. But I can remember his testimony when he would gather up enough courage to stand up and give a word of praise to Jesus. And he would say the same thing often. A tear would flow down his face and he'd say, God has spoiled me for the things of this world. God has spoiled me for the things of this world. I, don't, I didn't know what he meant when I was a boy. Like, I couldn't figure what that meant. But what he meant was that he had found a happiness in God that nothing in this world could ever even come close to supply. You'll be miserable if you only fill your life with video games. (laughs) You were made for something more than that. You'll be miserable if you try to find happiness by consuming your time with some sport or some hobby or some recreation. Well, we can find happiness and joy and meaning in all of those things, but it is where are we looking for that ultimate joy. We were created with an internal desire for eternal life, to make time for fellowship with God. Getting high on drugs won't make you happy. Jesus can take you higher than that. And perhaps the biggest idol there is under the sun that mankind has used to replace worship for God is the worship of sex. And the reason why Pornography particularly is so addicting is because we have this insatiable addiction, I mean affection inside of us that can only be satisfied by God. And once we've experienced what it's like to spend one moment in the presence of God, we'll be miserable with any substitute. And I tell God over and over, Lord, I want you more than that. I want you more than anything else in this world. We were created to love God, and his kind of love sets our love right. Another testimony I heard when I was a boy was from this older preacher named Donald Hardy up in the Adirondacks of New York near Lake Placid at a camp, and he would often come occasionally as a preacher to our church, and I would watch him worship, and he would worship as if he was worshiping before an audience of one, like he was the only person in the room, and, and it was just he and the Lord in that room, and he'd just get lost in, in his affection for the Lord, and he would say, your presence is my paradise. Your presence is my paradise, and I've never forgotten that. 
And that's what I think of when I read the words of Kohelet, the preacher, who said, God has planted eternity in the human heart. And that's what David meant when he said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. It's because God has given us a desire for eternal life and we'll never be happy without it. We were created with a frequency for eternity. We were created to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and all of our strength. And when we reach the end of ourselves, we reach the limits of our mortality, we're ready to reach up to God to get filled with his eternity. And that's the beginning of faith. When I was a young man, I read a book that literally changed my life, written by a guy named E. Stanley Jones, who for years was a missionary in India, and then became a professor at a Bible college in Wilmore, Kentucky, Asbury College in the 1950s and 60s. And in this book called The Victory of Surrender, and I looked on the internet and it has been reprinted, he made a statement that impacted me deeply. He said, no one has truly learned to live until they first attended their own funeral. We don't learn how to live until we first attended our own funeral. What he was meaning was there's no greater joy and happiness than reaching that place of full surrender to God. The portal into this life of happiness is when we recognize our mortality. Everything under the sun has a time limit to it. We have our limits. So we need God because he's eternal. And since time under the sun has a built-in limit of death and decay, in other words, the clock is ticking on everything under the sun, then everything under the sun is made of matter. And if it's made of matter, it's therefore mortal. And Time under the sun is only temporary. Then life under the sun is always going to disappoint. That disappointment or that dissatisfaction of life under the sun is due to the fact that we were originally created by God in his image with a spirit that has the capacity to worship God. I remember when I was a young boy, my grandmother purchased me for my birthday a Toronto Maple Leafs hockey jersey that fit perfect. And in those days, I didn't know better, but I cheered for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a joke that only if you're a Canadian you'd understand. Yeah. And I think I wore it once, and my mom put it in the laundry, and it shrunk. It was like the size that would fit a doll or something. And I still remember how grieved, how upset, how horrible. It's like like that was the end of my life. My Toronto Maple Leafs jersey was ruined forever. And I got to wear it only once. You ever had those experiences you wonder why they happen? And I think God was weaning 
that little boy's heart away from the material things of this world to say there's something better than that that will satisfy. And, it, and, it, and it's only true because the Toronto Maple Leafs have never won the Stanley Cups, Cup since that day. <laughs> anyway, we were created with a longing for eternity. C.S. Lewis put it this way, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. It's a great quote, isn't it? If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation of that is that we were made then for another world. So Grandpa Kohelet has one final word to say, and that is this. You will make a mess of your life if you have no sense of accountability to God. At the end of this book of wisdom that Kohelet writes, he writes this to his grandkids in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Grandkids, if you make a mess of your life, or you will make a mess of your life if you have no sense of accountability to God. You will throw your life away if you live as if there is no God. Your life will be full of regrets and pain if you forget that there's a judgment, if you forget that there's a God to be accountable to. In other words, you'll waste your life if you don't take God seriously. You'll make a mess of your life if you have no sense of accountability with God. And I'm just, as I was preparing my thoughts for the day, I was imagining that all of my grandkids would be sitting here in the front row and I'd be speaking to them. And what would I say to them? What would I want them to know? And I would want them to know this, that your life matters so much to God that he's put boundaries around you to keep you from hurting yourself and hurting others. And it's foolish to ignore God or be indifferent to him because he loves you so much. He's going to pursue you. He's not going to let you go because he loves you. He's going to hold you accountable because you're not trash to him. He loves you too much to let you trash your life. I've always appreciated what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 1.17 where he brought two images of God together. He said that God is both our Father and our judge. And Peter is saying that the judge of the universe is our father, and our heavenly father is our just judge. Here, here's how Peter put it. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. 
So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. You may want to run from God. You may want to try living independent of him, but you'll never escape his presence because he loves you. And he knows that every time you take a route that is going to ruin your life, he knows how that's going to end up. And so he pursues you, and he doesn't want to let you wreck and ruin your life. Since you can't hide anything from him, you might as well start practicing truth-telling right now. He knows it all, he sees it all, and someday the truth will find you out. There will be a payday someday because there's a principle embedded in the world that he created that we reap whatever we sow. And that's how the world works. And that's justice. That's fairness. That there's a, there's a predictability to the world. There's a, a stability to the world. It's not arbitrary or haphazard. We know the way things work. For example, I don't plant beans in my garden and expect to grow cucumbers. I don't plant something and expect to get something different. Likewise, you can't plant the seed of stubbornness and expect to grow the fruit of humility. You can't plant the seeds of impurity and expect to grow the fruit of healthy relationships. Right now counts forever. It matters how you start your life and how you start every day and every moment. That's because God is in charge of his forever. He's protecting the protect he's protecting the perfection of his forever. His forever is full of unimaginable joy and it's full of just breathtaking beauty. Trust what he says about that. Heaven is going to be wonderful and he has great plans for his forever. And that's why there's a judgment about on everything that happens on earth under the sun because God is guarding what is going to fill his forever. He's making everything perfect in his time. And most of all, God created you because he wants to fill his eternity with you, with us. He wants you to be with him forever in eternity. And that's why he's guarding you. That's why he disciplines you. That's why God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Your life matters that much to him. That's what it's about. He wants to fill you with eternal life because he wants to fill his eternity with you. So in conclusion, Grandpa Kohelet, the preacher, finished up with this. He said, I want all my grandkids to learn this lesson, this wisdom from the woodyard. Prepare for life by keeping your devotion sharp. First of all, make time for God, and it will bring you great happiness. You'll never regret it. Secondly, God has filled you with this longing for eternity. You'll never be satisfied with anything less. And third, 
you'll make a mess of your life if you have no sense of accountability to God. John Wayne had a saying that went, life is hard, but it's even harder if you're stupid. And the message of Ecclesiastes is saying it this way, life is hard, but it's even harder if you don't let God in. You'll never learn to live until you first attend your own funeral. Die to self and you become fully alive to God. Reverence for God replaces the humdrum with hallelujah. So make your time on earth count, Grandpa Kohelet says. Why wait to tune up the fiddle when the concert is finished? If the axe is dull and no one sharpens the edge, then he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. So we have two opportunities to sharpen the axe that Church on the Rock has prepared for you. One is Men's Summit that's coming up this next weekend. 241 men are registered. That's, uh, we're 83% full, which means there's still some room. This is the, the largest gathering of men to this point in time. And, uh, but it's open for you if you'd like to sharpen your edge and your relationship with the Lord and go further with him. And then also in April, we have a woman's conference that is being planned for our women as well, and it's going to be good. And I've heard that that old-fashioned testimony meeting time is going to happen where somebody's going to, people are going to be giving testimonies. So I, uh, I want to close. We want to sing a song now, a final closing song. But then after that, I want to close with a specific reflection and an application of this lesson from Ecclesiastes and to send Josh and Audra and their family, commission them on to um, Palmer. And I need to go grab Josh from downstairs, don't I? But uh, let's stand together and sing this final song.